Bridge of the Science Podcast with your girl and Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Root of the Science podcast with your girl and with the knee. If you are new here, welcome, welcome. It's so lovely to have you. Make sure that you follow us on the social medias, which is at the Root of the Science pod on Twitter and Instagram, or the Root of the Science on Facebook. And make sure that you follow on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Google, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Let's get into today's episode. My guest today is Jethro Dlamini, born and living in South Africa. In this episode, we learned that being in science was not a mistake. He is exactly where he wanted to be. We discuss how he got into the world of science, particularly the agricultural side of things. Jethro takes us through his academic journey, detailing how he went into the field of soil science after high school. Jethro gets open about the journey to his NQF level eight, which is um, honors degree equivalent, was not an easy one, but he had persevered. Jethro gets open that his journey to NQF level eight, which is and on his equivalent was not an easy one, but he has persevered until his current role as an agricultural advisor intern. In this job, Jethro works with underprivileged communities to organize and conduct agriculture training. We discuss the importance of his job and also talk frankly about a career in the agricultural industry. Tune in as we hear about this and so much more. Let's go. Hi, Jethro. Welcome to the show. Hello, and thank you for inviting me to your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. So now before we get started and we get this the ball rolling, it's I think it's important for us to get to know you briefly, right? So give us a brief introduction. Who is Jethro? Where are you currently based? And briefly, what are you currently doing? Oh, okay. Well, I'll start with my name. I'm Sibongiseni Jethro Lamini. I was born in Peter Maritzburg. I still stay in Peter Maritzburg. Uh, I'm actually from a place called Swaimani, but then again, urbanization happened. I went to Panorama Primary School and finished my matric at Zake Agricultural College. I studied at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, Peter Maritzburg campus, where I pursued my Bachelor of Science in Agriculture the honors equivalent degree. Mm. And I think it would be fair for those who know me to mention that it's an NQF level eight degree. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, wait. For those who don't know, quickly brief us who might not know what NQF even means. What does NQF mean? And why do you shout it out so boldly? Well, it's according to the National Qualifications Framework, we have diplomas, diplomas which are NQF level six. There's bachelor's degree, NQF level seven, honors or honors equivalent degree, NQF level eight, master's degree, NQF level nine, and PhD, NQF level 10. Well, basically, the reason why I've always been shouting this NQF level eight stuff is because actually, yeah. when it comes to doing degrees, when you are doing your postgraduates, it seems as if some people were a bit confused. They thought postgraduate degrees are actually at the same level, but they are actually not at the same level. So when I was shouting NQF level eight, I was just trying to put it out there 
that it differs with NQF levels. And now almost everyone in my social media knows all the NQF levels from diploma up to PhD. So the purpose of that was fulfilled. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, if anybody who follows you on your social medias, they know you are the NQF level. Like, <laughs> and I love it because, because you make education sound so cool and so fashionable. So we need more of that. Like, yes, yes be that's proud the aim, of yes. being NQF. Yes, NQF level eight. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me right. <laughs> No, I love it. Okay, so uh, Jethro, let's go back now, right, to the very beginning. If you are not Mr. NQF Level 8 and you are not in, you know, um, what you call it, in, in science, what would you have been, like, like in, an, in an alternate universe or if you believe in the afterlife or the previous life or whatever, what do you have been if you are not where you are right now? Okay, well, let me start by mentioning that... Uh, being in science is not by mistake. I'm actually where I was supposed to be. I'm actually where I'm passionate to be. But I think if it wasn't mm. science, I think I'd be pursuing something in politics because I'm really interested okay. in politics, African politics. Usually in my free time or when I get a chance, I do some research. I read about African politics. Why watch something or documentaries about African politics? So yeah, I think if it wasn't science, it was going to be politics. Oh, I I love that because you are very vocal, and I can actually see that you know coming through, coming through. Okay, so you mentioned that science for you was not a mistake. You know, you are right where you want to be, which is yes. brilliant because, um, speaking personally, I don't know. I think for me, it just happened. So, what were those influences that you knew from a young age that this is a field that you want to get into? Okay, I'll be honest. My parents whispered it to my ear. But it was in the agriculture which they whispered. They whispered either okay. engineering or medicine. So when I was young, you know, in primary school, when you asked what do you want to be when you grow up, I always said I wanted to be a doctor, a medical doctor. It later changed mm -hmm. for a year to an engineer. But when I actually grew older, I decided to pursue something in agriculture because I come from a rural background. I uh, usually, when I when I was growing up, I'd usually go to my grandmother's place in Olueni Mission, where she used to plant, and I'd always assist her with planting. And I've always been fascinated with the agriculture. And at our home, we've always had a household garden, and I've always been hands-on on the garden. And mm. the fact that I'd plant something from a small seedling up to a whole big crop which we would cook and eat for supper was very, very interesting for me. I think that's what drew me closer to agriculture. Decided to go to an agricultural college just to confirm whether I'm really interested in this agriculture. And there we'd study during the day and during the afternoons and weekends, we'd have agricultural practicals. And it was physically draining, but I enjoyed and that's when I actually confirmed that I'm interested in agriculture. Even when I was applying for university, there were five options on our CAO. All of those options were agricultural. There was nothing besides the agricultural field. Wow. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, and it's quite cool that, you know, from the beginning, 
it really cements the idea that this is where you you are meant to be. The fact that you had your grandmother's influences, the fact that you grew up in an area where farming was a norm, and then you went into the secondary or um, college sort of setting where this is what you are doing. It, it was a nice preparation to get you into um, into into university, right? So then, how do you then decide that? Uh, uh, soil science is a degree. Did you even know that that is a thing? Because, I mean, how 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 do you then get exposed into deciding that you want to do soil science? No, I knew that soil science was a thing. And the reason oh, okay. why I decided to pursue uh, a degree in soil science is because, man, when it comes to agriculture, everything comes from the ground. Everything starts from the ground. You know, even on animal production, pastures or wherever animals feed, it grows from the ground. And when you're planting crops for human human consumption, it all comes from the ground. That's why I decided to pursue a career in soil science. And I knew that doing a BSc agric in soil science doesn't only focus on soil science as a science, but on soil science as an agricultural science because there's crop science involved. So I felt mm. that if I do this Bachelor of Science in Agriculture, I will be equipped a lot when it comes to soil and crop science. Basically, it was more agronomic than just purely scientific. Mm, quite interesting. Okay, so when you got into varsity now, the transition from... Um, you know, college into a university setting. Was that easy? Was it a nice blend because you had already been doing um, agriculture? So then when you went into the first year program, for example, was it, uh, dare I say, plain sailing because you were already exposed to this type of stuff? Uh, Not really. It wasn't easy at all. I didn't study Mm -hmm. any agriculture during my first year. It was just pure science modules. Oh, yes. Biology, chemistry, physics, maths, statistics. So it wasn't easy. And yeah, 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 it wasn't easy. (laughs) So how did you, oh man, okay. So how did you overcome that? Because I know... We, we t- you, you mentioned that you even failed some modules, right? Mm. Before you you got to doing the actual agricultural stuff. I think because that only happens in your second year or second semester, I can't remember, when you really get into the in-depth of your agricultural modules. Did that kind of help you to become better as you go forward? Oh, okay. Well, Basically, what happened in my first year, you know, I was coming from high school from being an A student. I matriculated with four A's. When I got to university, my first test was chemistry and I got about 30 something percent. You know, oh, it, was, no. <laughs> it, wasn't, it, it, it wasn't a nice change. And uh, during my first semester, I failed biology. Second semester, I also failed biology again, and I failed statistics, and my academic standing changed from green to orange and risk. And when I was registering for the following year, I had this academic hold. I needed to go for counseling first before I could be registered. But then again, 
what I, I actually spoke with my parents and my parents asked me, do you still want to continue with this degree or not? And I told them mm. that, no, I'm still passionate about agriculture. I'll continue with the degree. Mm. I just saw what happened and I will change what happened. In high school, for me, the more time I spent studying, the more I would pass. That was just basically how I made it through high school. But in university, mm. you need some experience, you know. Uh, there's a mm. lot of stuff that the lecturers give you, but it takes some experience to actually be able to spot the relevant stuff to actually consider when you're studying for exams, you know. So that experience from first year taught me how to go about my studies moving forward. And after first year, I never, ever failed again. And my degree went, I won't say smoothly, but it went okay mm -hmm. up to finishing mm. it. Wow, congratulations. And I think you touch on something so important that hopefully somebody who is an undergraduate level or in first year level um, can take away and learn from that going from, you know, high school or college or secondary school and coming to that university setting, it's it's like you're a fish out of water. You know, even the smartest people fail and they go through a lot of stuff. I also say that I failed in my first year and, you know, that failure teaches you like, oh, hell no, I am not going to do this again. Okay, and it really yes. just, yeah, it, you know, and I like the fact that you said that your parents were like, is this something that you want to do? So kudos to your parents for, you know, having that straight talk and being that support for you right. and it really it really just because you failed this one particular point because i'm sure at that point it felt like this is the worst thing in the world that could have happened to you right i've never ever faced something like that in my life or, or well at that time i had never yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah. And you think the world is ending and this is it. And it's now like you were in back, my brain. <laughs> no, because I know that feeling. I know that feeling so well, because like you said, that when you haven't failed before, it's really hard to accept it and then to sort of pick up yourself. And I mean, look at you now, like you said that your degree went okay. And here you are now and you are an employed, you are an agriculture advisor um, for the Department of Agriculture, which is uh, in, in, in the government. So congratulations. I mean, if that's not inspiring, I mean, come on, let's just have a moment for that <laughs> because <laughs> that's that's really really something that it's sort of come full circle. So, um, would you kind of tell? Would you mind telling us what you do, what your role as an agriculture advisor, what it entails? Oh, okay, intern agricultural advice. Yes, my bad, intern. <laughs> then I'm, I'm speaking. I'm speaking it into into existence. Intern is just. I receive. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, yeah. No, it, 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 it's 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 a very very interesting experience, I must say, and it's an experience which I've been enjoying because, as like I told you. The influences that led me into agriculture were rural agricultural production or rural agricultural smallholder type of uh, agricultural production. So with mm. the departments of agriculture and rural development, they are quite obsessed with empowering smallholder farmers 
they empower, yes, both commercial farmers and smallholder farmers. But, you know, there's quite a lot that's being done with smallholder farmers. Uh, commercial farmers are usually actually equipped with finances, equipment, you know, with, with, with resources and knowledge. When it comes to smallholder farmers, previously disadvantaged farmers, they only have mm. indigenous, indigenous knowledge. They don't have funds. Uh, they don't have this scientific knowledge which we studied for, which we bring to them. So it's quite interesting to put my skills into action and actually assisting smallholder farmers. And I'm actually obsessed with uh, local economic development. You know, when mm -hmm. it comes to agriculture, if you're working for a big commercial company, it's fine. Uh, what you do goes to those numbers, uh, those national numbers. But when you are actually mm. dealing with smallholder farmers, you are assisting people, which you can see. You can see that this person, I assisted them and they produced and sold and they were able to pay for school fees for their children. Mm. You know, you actually see what they do. You see them renovating their houses if they want to renovate their houses. So it's 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 mm. it's a nice experience. It's a nice hands-on experience, and you get to see the results of of how you assist. Yeah. So you kind of see the the the, the human element. Well, I don't want to say the human element, but you you see the works of your hands, sort of seeing it live. Yes. Which is, yes, yes, that, yes. That, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So, what sort of activities do you um, assist um, these communities with? Um, as the Department of Agriculture, what do they do? Uh, well, it's agricultural extension and advisory services. Mm -hmm. They provide trainings, agricultural trainings. Uh, they render agricultural advice like they advise you when you have a farm in terms of your production plan. They assist you with, with funding. If it's approved, uh, they also assist you with providing a market for you if you require that. Well, it all depends on what the farmer requires. They even assist with machineries and implements with, 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 with farmers to farmers who actually applied for it and it was approved. They even fence their farms. So there's quite a lot the department does. Mm, that's great. Um, you mentioned that you in the beginning that you said that when you do this type of work, you get to sort of apply the scientific knowledge that you learned in university um, to the to with the farmers. But um, for, well, I think it's a double. This is a double-edged question. First, are the farmers receptive to these? scientific or new innovative ways that you might have come in and how do you also learn from them because i'm sure they've got methods that have been you know indigenous knowledge so how do you balance the two the science and the indigenous knowledge um, when you advise and work with these smallholder farmers i was hoping your question would go along those lines well the second <laughs> part is very important because mm -hmm. You know, with some farmers, we actually just assist with equipment if we need to assist with equipment and we don't assist in their production plans. And we, we just mm. go there and actually learn from them. 
how to yeah. produce. You know, a lot of these farmers know how to produce. With some of them, you do assist here and there. Some of them just know. And yes, they are receptive. Well, before you actually advise them on how mm. to conduct their production, you look at their production, their already existing production plan first. Mm. Some of them have no problems. And in some where there are problems here and there, you just point them out. And farmers are receptive to that. But it's not like they don't know anything at all. Their indigenous knowledge is very important. They've been producing and we mm. are just assisting in boosting up the production because the main aim, the main aim of the farmer is to generate profits as, yeah, ma- as, as maximum as they can. Mm. And I think sometimes that's where the big difference, I mean, I'm saying this because I also am in agriculture, where you see the big differences in terms of the commercial and your smallholder farmers. It's not that they are not able to, it's not that they don't have the knowledge, because if you think about it, in terms of these commercial farms, it's, it's these smallholder farmers who work as laborers who are actually doing the work. It's just that maybe in, at a commercial level, they have the machinery, they have the... The, the the land, the huge spaces of land, the the production, the connections and networks. So I think it's always really important to note that when working with smallholder farmers, it's not like that they don't know and that's why they're not producing high quality. So I really like the fact that you, yes. you say that you come in there and you're like, actually, let's learn from you because you've been doing this for so long. Um, if, we, yeah. if, if, we, if we can help you with equipment, then great. But we're not coming in to say that what you doing doesn't work and you should follow i way because yes because these people like you said they've been into agriculture from i don't know from when they've been practicing agriculture so their indigenous knowledge is quite relevant where we step in mostly is when it comes to management business management that's where we step in mostly Mm. because you know uh working a farm for 10 years as a laborer, doesn't really equip you with skills for managing the farm. There's more that goes of into course. managing the farm yeah. than just what you do as a laborer. So yeah, that's where we get in actually filling. We actually mm-hmm. fill in the gaps. Oh, okay. No, I understand. Um, you know, as we wrapping up, Jethro, you are young. You know, you are you are young person and i don't know if you saw the news recently where they're saying that you know the youth unemployment rate is is going is going up i think at 30 at 34 percent somewhere around there which is pretty high in south africa so you are in agriculture and you are in this field um how how do you make like when you tell your friends that you're an agriculture advisor because you know not a lot of people want to be in agriculture they think ah, i don't want to be in the sun so how do you think we can make it more i don't know fashionable make it more to get more people in there because you know sometimes this is the sort of places where starting your own farm or doing these small little things can help with that unemployment rate so in your opinion this is just your opinion i'm not saying um what the government should do but how do we make it to get more people and to be into this type of work okay i wouldn't know how to make mm-hmm. it to get more people into it. But what I do know is that, like any other field, actually, 
in agriculture, you really need to be passionate about it because mm. this field is not an easy field from mm. studying, from production, from employment. It's not really an easy field. It's not easy mm. to study it. It's not, it's not easy to get employed in it. And it's not easy to start your own projects in agriculture. So if you, have, if you are passionate about it, you can actually mm. find your way and pull through. If you lack passion, I, I don't think there's a way you can succeed in agriculture. <laughs> so this element of passion is very, yeah. very important. You know, if people are not passionate about agriculture, I don't think we need to focus on bringing them into agriculture because the passion, mm -hmm. that element of passion is very, very important. This is not an easy field. No, so I, I think I people it. need to be passionate and once they are passionate, they need to be told about programs that the Department of Agriculture offers. They need to be told about funding opportunities from different, stake from different stakeholders once people are passionate. I think that's the mm -hmm. only way. We need to find passionate people. Once we find passionate people, we need to tell them about the opportunities available in agriculture. Yeah, no, you're right. I like the fact that you don't mince the words like, oh, no, everybody come to agriculture. It's nice. It's easy. You know, I appreciate that you're like, hey, actually, it's a lot of hard work and you really have. To yeah, we need to be we need to be realists, not <laughs> idealists. We can't lie to people simply because we want them to come join our field. Yeah. You know, if we lie to people and they join our field and they realize it's not actually how. It's not, it's not as how we, we had told them for it to be. They tell people about that and chase more people away. They'll even chase passionate people mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. No, which is great. And that's why we have these conversations where we have somebody who's on the ground and who's actually doing this and you're working with farmers to be like, okay, this is what you're getting into. And I think these are the type of conversations that need to be had, especially with somebody who's deciding whether they want to become an agriculture yeah. scientist or a soil scientist. Um, like not to say that we're chasing you away, but to just know the realities of what you're getting yourself into. Because, you know, we always get this facade, this dream, like, oh, if you do agriculture, there's a lot of work. You can work anywhere. We, there's, there's things that you're going to feed people. And there's a lot of right? money. You'll be rich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and me now, you're like, where is the money? I'm here. <laughs> where is it? Where is it? No. Why aren't we rich? Why, why aren't we rich? And why is it only a small <laughs> fraction of people? No, um, thank you for that. I really appreciate that honesty. So as we wrap up, what are some of like laws, wisdom, words of wisdom that you have you have gained in terms of your journey into where you are now. This might be academic or just in general life journey. What would you say to somebody who's inspired by your story or in everything that you've shared for us today? No, I think like in anything in life, nothing comes easy and there's no other alternative. Those who had it easy and succeeded are just outliers. You can't use those people to actually generalize life in general. So I think it's very mm -hmm. important for you to find something which you are passionate about. Once you found something which you are passionate about, try to make an assessment to actually confirm if you can really, really pursue 
that field or if you can really pursue whatever that is. Once you've confirmed that you can pursue it, try by all means to be patient. Try by all means to persevere because the journey for you from being just a person to being that person which you want to be is not smooth. It will be rough. Mm -hmm. It will be bumpy and it will seem as if the world is designed to block you from achieving your goals. So try to mm -hmm. persevere and try to push through. Eh? Cry as you move along. There's no time to pause and mm -hmm. cry. Cry as you move along mm -hmm. because the journey is quite tough like any other journey. Mm -hmm. But in the end, if you are passionate about something, I do believe that you will pull through and you'll succeed. Oh, amazing. And yeah, those, those, that type of advice can be applied in any aspect of life. And I love that. And some very wise words. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I hope somebody, uh, you know, uh, it applies to somebody in some way, some way or somehow when they listen to this episode. Um, also, as we, as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you so much for chatting with me and coming on and sharing your story and, you know, having this conversation. I had a really great time. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity of just sharing my story. Eh? I didn't realize that right. I needed to share my story so much and I feel so good after having this interview with you. So thank you. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah, know your story. You know, sometimes you think uh, it's such a personal thing or, you know, but when you share and somebody's like, oh, my word, Jethro, what? He he failed too. And you just, you know, yeah. you can be like, and he's here. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to to say how you got here and to explain. Mm. Um, oh, and so yes, and you. yes, there's something I forgot to mention, eh? There's something I sure. usually told people while I was doing my undergraduates and my friends would, be, would laugh at me when I say this. I'd say, mm -hmm. for me, I'm glad I failed at the beginning because it seems like the people who failed uh, in between or towards the end struggle even more. If someone is, if if someone wants to give up, tell them about me. Tell them about how I failed, and they should look at where I am now. Wow! Yeah. Oh man, goosebumps! That gave me goosebumps. Yes, they should. Yeah. <laughs> they should. They should. And I mean, this is an example. Just this conversation that we had. So thank you, and I, and to everybody else who's listening, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Uh, until next time, with your girl and with an E. Goodbye.